Welcome to the Wealthy Money Property Podcast, your ultimate resource to unlocking your inner property guru and building a property investment portfolio. Now, introducing your host for the show. Hey, hey, property magicians. Welcome to episode 68. We really are growing. We are, we are, and we've yeah. grown on Podbean. Oh my gosh, I Have love the Podbean. Yes, yes, we are at 41,000 downloads. 41, oh almost 42,000. Yes. Oh, wow, this is amazing. Is. Okay, so guys, thank you so much for that. Thank you for sharing, for spreading the word about us. Uh, before we even get started, let's just tell you guys that we're not just on Podbean anymore. We are on iTunes and we are also on Spotify. <laughs> just um, type in Property Magicians and search for us on both platforms. Please, please leave us a rating on iTunes. Um, the more ratings, the more easier it is for people to find us, right? So please yeah. give us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. And now yep. let's introduce ourselves. <laughs> so, hi guys, my name is Makina yeah. Makwakwa. I'm hey. the host of the show. And with me is my beautiful co-host. Hi there, Vangile. I am Dr. Miranda, Prop Doc Mum. I am on Facebook, on Instagram, and, on, and I'm the co-host of this beautiful podcast i incidentally have just done a live then on instagram i, I just um, it. highlighting yeah oh yeah? yeah yeah that's the highlight on the house hacking episode mm. two and episode 32 i think tina's episode just bowls me over i had to listen again and listen again <laughs> she is so genius about yeah. this strategy Love, love, yeah. love how we use this podcast and it inspires so many people, right? Yeah. Go and listen to the old podcast, you know, hit us up and really, really leave us some ratings there and, and comments. It's really, really inspiring to do this podcast. So what's been happening with you? Ah, what is happening with me? We have a 13 page OTP that I need Mayo to review and okay. look through. For okay. the building, you know, we're still yes, in the yes, building, yes. in the deal for the building. Absolutely. But actually, I'm okay with the delays and timing because it's given me and honey time to really figure things out and plan things. And so, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. Awesome. Awesome. So what's wow. up with you, Oh my God, you know what the exciting things that, that are happening? I'm a real estate intern, right? I'm yes. an agent intern. And I'm just finding that absolutely amazing. Then it's like the, the, the wildest thing I could have ever done the learning, the learning how to sell. <laughs> it is just, <laughs> I'm learning a new skill. It is just the most, it's just the wildest thing. I yeah. have got these pictures of, 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 of a unit that I'm supposed to put up for, for sale. And it yeah. took me a whole week to go through pictures. No, this is not the right one. Now, and the stuff that I worry wow. about, um, like 
how I position and how I talk about this unit or something like mm. it's just so wild, right? It is so wild. Amazing. But I, yeah, but I am just appreciating how 2020 and 2021 have given me the opportunity to learn something that possibly would mm. never in my wildest mm. dream. So my agent in 10 life is actually thriving. I like it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love, love this. I love it. It's so awesome. It's awesome. But today, guys, we've got such a special show for you. I thought we are just getting my young girl and you are going to have a treat. Um, Kalalelo is my little girl. She and her mom, she, uh, her mom and I have known each other since medical school for like 20, 24 years or so, wow. something like that. Yeah. And her mom was my senior at school. So I know her when she wore diapers, literally. And today she's become an interior architect. She owns her own business, Hive, Hive Studios, and she does the most. And all I know is that she's got good taste. And my friend's house is beautiful <laughs> because Kalalelo makes it beautiful. You know, she changes things yeah. and then she buys this bus and they've just redone wow. their kitchen. She's She's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. But we had never spoken about her career in depth. So I was sitting here agog, just like you. And she's our special guest today. And it was an incidental conversation that we were having. And I was just like, well, you belong on our property podcast. It was so easy for her to say yes. She calls me yeah. Mama Miranda. Now you understand why I am Doc Mum, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, really loved it. Wow, guys, this was <laughs> incredible. You guys are in for such an incredible treat. Um, yeah. I know, like, I learned so much. I learned so much. Like, I think in this podcast, we keep learning about the professionals that we need, not just the real estate strategies, but like how various professionals in the property industry can really make a deal come together and can really make a property like pop, you know? Pop, so yes, literally pop. Yeah, literally pop. Because that's what Lelo was teaching us is like, yeah. this is how you want to move forward in terms of trends in property. So yeah, I trends am... in properties. But also, didn't you just love the fact that we went off on a tangent, okay, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because as you can see, the, pro the, the, the politics of property come out yeah. as well as we discuss and the politics of environmental health and, and our human wellness in the property space. Who knew that that's mm -hmm. what I would be doing? So it's, it's so it's so well intertwined with what mm -hmm. we started this podcast for. I really loved it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm so excited, you guys. I can't wait for you to hear this podcast. And without further ado, let's do this. Meet Lelo. So welcome, welcome, Lelo. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. Very excited. <laughs> Hi, Lelo. It's good to see Hi. you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she's laughing at me because she calls me my mommy Randa in another life 
in all my lives, all my times, I call, I still call you that. All the headlines. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, that's awesome! So, Lelo, please tell us about yourself and your background and what you do. Sure. Um, I'm Kala Lelo Misime. Um, I know people like to call me Lelo. <laughs> I know it's hard. It's hard to pronounce, but. Um, so I've, I'm an interior architect and I've been working in the field for 15 years now. It doesn't seem like it, but yeah, so I've been here for a very long time. Um, I mostly specialize in commercial um, interiors, uh, okay. especially in the sustainability and human wellness field. Oh, wow. What? It even wow. combines human wellness. Yeah, <laughs> you don't listen to me when I talk to you. I'm quite awesome. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> this is so hard. This is very hard because what you see is is this little girl that you raised. So you can't you can't get over the fact that she's been a professional for 15 years. You know, but what's an interior architect? You know, for the benefit of our listeners and myself. So you've never educated me about this. So what is an interior architect? And is there a difference between interior architect and an interior designer? Yes. Um, so unfortunately in South Africa, they're still not seen um, as two separate entities oh, as okay. yet. Um, mm -hmm. So you can get, you can go to an interior design school and then um, it is, so the difference is between interior design and interior architecture, interior mm -hmm. design is a three-year degree program, whereas interior architecture, it is a four-year degree program, unless, of course, on both you're doing your master's. Um, okay. So the diff the key difference is that uh, how I usually explain it to people is interior design is usually more aesthetic, so mm -hmm. it is translating a client brief aesthetically, like making them um, create their brand identity. So I'll, I'll speak in a more commercial space, more than residential. Okay, okay. It is it's okay. translating their brand identity into the space. Um, okay. Whereas interior architecture, it is what you don't see that complements the aesthetic. So mm. it is how, you, how we break down the walls or how, what kind of walls we build. Um, the type of lighting that we that we um, recommend and specify, the type okay. of flooring. So we don't just go, you know, this tile and this and this um, paint color, and then this, <laughs> and then get this okay. lampshade. So the science is a science yeah. to it. Um, so we really think about human comfort level and um, about building regulations. So we are taught a lot more about the building regulations, architectural standards. Um, mm fire hazards, uh, we work quite closely with council engineers and with architects as well. Oh, so yeah. I think interior, interior designers, as I said, it's more, it's it's very much the same now, um, but it's more about yeah. how good it looks. Yeah, more than okay. how. The cushions and how do you. No, you those are decorators, don't do that to people. These are like, I don't want to get like. <laughs> Like, we don't know the difference. We're not, like, okay. we're really clueless. And I, I'm still trying to figure it out as well. I'm with Mizo, Shane, Mizo, we're in the same boat. Like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. So, interior so design, a decorator is different from the interior designer, is different yeah. from the interior yeah. architect. 
Ah, no, wow. you're going to have to do this again. So the, the, the decorator does the cushions. The cushion, <laughs> cushion. Texturized cushions. Okay, so I'll, I'll break it down. So in a, in a, in a new building, <laughs> in building, you'll get the interior architect to come in and, um, and put up the walls and the electrical layout oh. and all of that stuff. And then you'll have oh. the interior designer who will come in and then choose the right type of wallpaper. And then also like trying to define the client's brief into the space based right. on like how they work. Um, how the how that company works versus the the company culture, and okay. then we call them FFNE specialists, which are decorators. Okay, so they come in and then you know the the nice things like putting up vases and frames up and, um, mm. and cushions and they make it look what the client wants to take pictures like the Instagrammable part of it, how it how it looks and gives it life. So they are yeah, important. So- that would be the, is that the interior designer that makes it Instagrammable? It, the decorator. Yeah, the interior designers and the decorators all work quite closely together to make it look very much Instagrammable. Gosh, guys, this is too, wow. this is so, so much deeper than I actually <laughs> thought, Lelo. Me too. So Lelo, here is the thing. So we used to work in offices a long time ago before you were born. And then suddenly... <laughs> Suddenly, I was working for Sasol. Suddenly, we moved to this new building at number 630. And before we moved in, they called someone for Mm. interior. And they said it's space creating. So they are cutting up the offices, taking down the walls. We are having an open plan, but not Mm. too open. Enough privacy. But, you know, the geoscientists have to have certain types of Yeah. And the windows and blah, blah. I have no idea. So would that be you, the interior architect? Yes, yes. So like I explained earlier, we do have very similar functions with interior designers. We are actually, we are a lot of the times we're called interior designers, especially when we enter the space because we don't want to have to explain because of the fact that it's not broken up, especially here in South Africa. I think yeah. in Australia and the UK, we can say like those two fields are separate and people know the difference. I see. Um, but, um, but because it's not, so we, we are, we do fall under the, the whole umbrella of okay. interior designers. Um, I see. But, but yeah, we, we, I think, I think what, what we do, it is because we have to understand the structure of a building. So yes. we can't just come and say, when, when a client says, oh, I want an open plan. We're like, yeah, sure, of course. Let's break down all the walls. We literally have to understand the structural integrity of the building, of, of why there's columns, of, of why, which slab is, um, you know, holding up the, the floors yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, so we go into that deeper understanding. So when we advise a client, we advise a client on a structural level more than on an aesthetic level. Okay, so I think I'm starting to get you, Lelo, right? Like, it's that um, the architect is designing the building outside and designing everything. And then there's a person in the interior. Like, I'm just thinking, how many of us have walked in and are like, no, this wall, it needs to go. Exactly, yeah. I want that gone. (laughs) Can you make it smaller? You actually, but then most of us work with just builders, so do you, uh, so you yeah. guys were, we would never have, like, I don't, we've never heard of an interior architect. So we're assuming yeah, that no. most people on listening yeah. to this podcast have actually not 
um, heard of it. So wh- mm-hmm. I guess my next question is, um, how are construction companies different to interior architects or do they work directly with you guys as well? Would they, so we, would they have one of you guys on the team? Yeah, so we work quite closely with uh, a lot of construction firms as well. Especially, yeah. um, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of like change, um, especially obviously with my work as well, into property developments where they're just turning commercial spaces into residential spaces or oh, vice okay. versa. Um, so we work quite closely with them is because, and this is how I usually um, tell people as well, like you can see that when an interior architect was not involved in a project, I don't know if you've ever walked into someone's house and then you'll see that there was an afterthought into something. Yes. Like all of a sudden they decide that they want a TV <laughs> there and then they have to like chase the TV in or they can't have electrical points in some places and then like they get frustrated and they call a contractor in. So if you involve interior architects quite early on, we are able to think about how people use that space so that we put the electrical points in the correct space. We put the lighting points and switches in the correct place. Just to give people that. Exactly. So that when people move in, they have that flexibility and agility to use the space whichever way that they want. Um, yeah so so most contractors they do bring us in quite early on and then you'll see as well like when you when you get um building plans when you buy off plan the plan is already done and it will and it will show you where the electrical points are where the plumbing points are is because they 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 hired the interior architect quite early on to to help them to help them with that I see. Wow. So you like you wow, may actually man. be solving a problem for me. Thanks that's, for this. Like I am. That's what I'm thinking. Am, that's what I'm, you're thinking of me, right? <laughs> so you're like, Ivan is in it. This absolutely. is for her. Like commercial exactly, to residential. Yeah, yeah. Oh. and an industrial place that becomes a residential, and that's mm. what downtown Johannesburg has been, yeah. has become. Mm. I've always wondered how you know the guys who built the perpetuity guys, how they turned mm. all those industrial spaces into apartments. How how it is done? Yeah, I just thought mm. you get in a developer, and mm. the development company does it. So I've I've never put it, but you've answered that question. That is so nice. That is so, <laughs> so awesome. So Lelo, sorry, Miso, mm-hmm. to interrupt. Now I'm not even asking for the listeners. You know, this is for my own issues. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> like, take a vaccine <laughs> for five seconds. <laughs> so um, can we ask, like, when we hire a construction company as um, yeah. real estate investors, can we ask? do you have an interior architect in your team? And then I demand them to get one if they don't. Um, I mean, you can't, I mean, you can ask them to, to hire one on a consulting basis. So what, what yeah. I, so in my career, what I've seen the shift is as well is that we've become consultants a lot more than we've actually become technical teams. Oh, so okay. We go yeah. and, and consult for developers and construction um, companies as well, property development. Yeah, so oh, we'll, right. we'll, con- we'll consult on that basis and just be like the voice mm-hmm. behind the person. I see. Oh, right. Okay, this is amazing. That makes, that makes sense. 
So when you, because you've explained all these professionals, you are cut up into, are you, do you belong to a certain body uh, of accreditation? Do you guys, do you, yeah, are you, are your professions divided in that way, in that body? Does a body yeah. like that exist? Like architects have got draftsmen and then there's the technician yeah. and then there's an architect, yeah? There is, there is a, there is a body that, that regulates what Maybe you call they, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, there is, there is one. Uh, so yeah. you, so you, the people can go on their website, it's called IID. So you can go on your website and then you can check the different professions, what they mean, um, where to study. Um, yeah. So there, there is one in South Africa. It's, it's an international one, but each country now has, has a local one. Mm. And so, so are you yeah, it is very good. So are you telling me then, Lelo, that um developers that are developing all these um townhouses that mushroom all over the place, they use mm. your services or is it your big uh Sasol building, EY and the discovery huge buildings that would or that would hire your service? Or how does it work? Is it, um, is it as equally in commercial and residential? How does it work? No, it's it's un- unfortunately no. As um, so the industry it's not it's not very well tightly regulated as architects okay. engineers. So okay. you can't build a building without an architect and an engineer, engineering certificate. So I mean they can't force you to say you have to have an interior architect or you have to have an interior okay. designer for your space. Um, okay. So we 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 do have um, I, I have put together a few people that we actually we we are writing to the uh, regulation board and the construction ombudsman as well um, because we have to put together a manual basically so that we could actually become a profession <laughs> because we're still oh. not seen as a profession more like decorators you know it's like oh, a nice to have. Wow. So because of the fact that interior architects and commercial interior designers, um, they do study things like human wellness, uh, most of the time facility managers and HR are the ones who actually require for the big, like the Cecils and um, the big EYs and all the big buildings, they do, they do require that an interior designer, like a professional interior designer or interior architect be hired yet for their project is because... Yeah the human element is more important to them than, you know, saving a few bucks and just having an architect just do whatever they want. Um, so in residential, it's, I haven't, I haven't seen that shift yet. I mean, it took a very long time for in the commercial space for clients to um, identify between an architect and interior design and interior architect. Um, where it be, now it's become it's it's a regulation for them yeah. now to have an interior designer on board, purely for the human aspect of it. Um, oh but in resi- but in residential, I haven't seen that shift. I know the Green mm-hmm. Building Council of South Africa is really working hard on on pushing the residential um, factor of human wellness. Now that we are spending a lot more time together, I mean, not together, now we're spending a lot more time at home. Um, So now I think people are realizing that a home is not just a home, it is also like a place of wellness. 
Um, so a lot more people I've seen also shift. They've started to hire interior architects and interior designers who have the sustainability elements to their qualifications and profession just to okay. assist them in um, making their homes a little bit more bearable um, with their families and, yeah, and all of that. Mm. Okay, so Lela, I have to... I have yeah. a lot of questions. You threw out a lot of big English words for us. <laughs> I just want to just own that, right? You threw out human wellness, green building. You threw out sustainability. I have yeah. a lot of questions. <laughs> so let's start with uh, one at a time, right? So when you talk of human wellness, mm. what do you mean? And maybe break it down for us. Like I've never ever, I'm sorry, but I've never considered the corporate space as a place where even human wellness is considered. And what would a corporate building that takes into account human wellness look like? And when you're building a house, and then so there's three different questions in there. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so one is what does human wellness in the corporate space look like? What is human wellness then? What does human wellness in the corporate space look like? What are you looking to build? In a, what are you looking for yeah. in commercial spaces? Yeah. Secondly, it's your home. What is human wellness in the residential <laughs> space like? People are like, I just told, I have a home. Now you're telling yeah. me I need to consider the wellness factor. What is this? What do you mean? So um, the human wellness, it actually breaks down a space into all of your senses. Um, so what you, what you see, what you feel, what you smell, what you touch, uh, not what you taste. (laughs) Um, so it, so it, it, it considers how the space makes you feel at the end of the day. Unfortunately, because of how we work, we are a lot more stressed and there's more, um, I mean, we've studied things like the suicide rates in, in commercial and, and how people work and uh, when people are moved from, from one space to another. Uh, so we also studied a little bit of change management. Um, okay. so, so when I talk, when we talk about human wellness, it is, it is about how is the space affecting the person who's going to be interacting with the space psychologically? So okay. if, you, if you've seen, there's, a, there's been a major shift in, for instance, um, natural light in buildings. Yeah. So now, yes. which, is, which is really, really great, it is now council regulated. It is a now council no requirement. There must be a certain percentage of natural light entering a room at any yeah. given point, yeah. especially during the day, yeah. because people yeah. have realized that artificial light actually makes you a little bit more depressed than the natural yeah. light factor. Um, And then the lighting companies now have also come on board with that in trying to match um, the lighting quality that you get from the outside when it is dark outside. Mm -hmm. Um, So now if you also have seen, you don't go into offices and see those flickering lights anymore or those yellow lights. It's... You can't you can't tell the difference between a bright blue skylight and when you're inside. It's because now the science has gone into how can we get that mind shift that you get from being outside inside. Absolutely. Um, The type of paint the type of paint that we used. So uh, I'll give you one example. Um, Mm -hmm. It is now also regulated as actually law that paint is supposed to have a certain amount of um, VOC in it. 
So what we call it low VOC paint. So when you paint, you know that smell that you get? Yeah. It's actually quite harmful. Pain. It is. So now, is. I don't know if you've really realized that when you go and buy paint, when you paint, that smell goes away within an hour or you don't smell it at all while you're painting. Yeah. So we've actually realized that the old paint, that, that smell, it lingers on forever and you get headaches and um, yeah. you get like lung problems and all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's a lot that has gone into how to make people healthier without them having to actually change too much about how they interact mm -hmm. with the space and Absolutely. then also when it when it comes to commercial spaces there's a mm -hmm. um the reason people are going open plan is because yeah. your eye needs a place to rest that's away from your laptop so when you look yeah. up you should look further than two meters or five meters in front of you that's actually yes. it's, it's, it's not even about like it's not even about oh it's it's pretty or anything it is just giving people their their eyes and their necks and the whole human human nature to rest away from their screen so there's from a whole lot of elements i actually want to can i interject on that because i learned about that actually um one of my coaches when i was really struggling and feeling blocked in my business she was like mm. yeah totally go away to the ocean go yeah. to the mountains so that every time what happens to the mind psychologically when we look yeah. at the ocean, like every time I look at the ocean, my mind isn't getting blocked. It's just exactly. seeing it's open, open space. Yes. And what happens is that like the mind starts to expand. So, exactly. and it's yeah. also why you don't look at a wall when you work. You're not you're working. to be, yeah. Other yes. put up yeah. a picture and all that. So that's so interesting. I didn't know that offices that were there. Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, the, I mean, that I is, that's what they do as well. Yeah, and then also mm. the the thing of mm -hmm. like also putting coffee points at certain areas. Um, yes. Also in shopping malls, it's actually promoting people to get up and go make themselves coffee and actually interact. Absolutely. So if you if you yes. look at the offices as well, like where the coffee shop is or where the coffee yeah. is, they actually now have couches because it's mm. actually forcing you to sit down and just take a break, take a beat interact with other people while you're drinking your coffee so it yeah, actually forces people coffee. to not go yeah. and like have coffee at their desk mm -hmm. um, so we, how we, we, sorry um, no it's a it's a very it's a very important point that you talk about we call them post areas actually at yeah. one of my workplaces because yeah. it is yeah you needed to you take a pause and you are yeah, forced exactly. to take a pause i see wow yeah. Yeah. okay so now what has how that is also has translated into residential it is i'm sure you've also noticed there's a major trend into house plants um so oh. bringing biophilia into your space yeah. it actually makes you feel better yes. um, and also the type of plants that have been yeah. trending are the type of plants that actually clean your air because of covid um mm. there's plants that are actually being yeah. promoted out there that yeah. actually help clean the air um that actually help with what you smell so it opens up your lungs a little bit um i know that the eucalyptus plant has been sold out everywhere it's because now people are very aware of it yeah and now they're putting it in your space and it, people yeah. have actually said it makes them feel better when they have it there um yeah. so yeah. things like biophilia and the type of 
textures that you use in your house. Um, the type textures, of please, can we talk about that? Because, like, <laughs> so I have, like, Miso knows this. Like, I have a thing about textures, colors, like, I, colors. Oh, colors. my God, oh. colors drive me, like, <laughs> oh, when I was, when I was in Morocco, it was just like I was looking for an apartment to live. And yeah, Miso knows that. my struggle. It was like, Everything was in Technicolor. I died. I died. I, like, I literally, it was so stressful. So please yeah. talk yeah. about that because I've noticed yeah. that, that like certain colors stress me out. Yeah. And yeah, others they calm do. me down. Exactly. Yeah, they so, do. And you can imagine Arabia and India, they've got lots of textures. They've got oh. lots of color. They use yeah. lots of combinations and mosaics and whatever. So it can get very busy for an eye like mine. I get migraines easily. Yeah. So what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you have to talk about textures and color, I can say that um, the texture is very good for um, human wellness and the fact that you do need to feel something different when you are okay. walking and when you are working. Um, so, I mean, texture does, it does play a huge role as well in how we get people to interact with, uh, with their spaces as well. Um, there's, there is, there's been a huge change as well. Like if you've noticed of this whole natural brick in spaces as yeah. well, is because yeah. it does bring in sort of like element of, I need to touch something that's not smooth. Um, okay. And then also the type of, also the type of um, fabrics that people use as well. Uh, it actually, it's, it's very comforting to touch something that is not the same as what you're used to. Um, mm. Because it makes your mind linger a little bit. It, it does help you pause. It does help you, think differently um mm -hmm. so when it comes to commercial spaces and now i've seen it goes into homes there's fabrics that are that protect you against diseases and dirt mm -hmm. and bacteria mm -hmm. um, and there's a huge shift now towards like using those type of fabrics for your spaces um mm -hmm. because we're, we're so used to the to the normal cotton and all of that kind of stuff, um, and people are getting more sick because now there's more allergies going out there. So a lot of a lot of fabric companies have also put a lot of work into um, using fabrics that are hypoallergenic um, that you can just spray yeah. um, with. Um, I know, like now, people have been complaining a lot about using the, the sanitizer. sanitizers on their furniture and then that color coming off. So now there's actually fabrics that are treated. So that, or you, if you spray with sanitizer, you can just like wipe it off because now people are becoming OCD about the, the space and their health as well. So um, I've actually been working on a few projects now where we have to uh, treat people's furniture to be sanitizer proof because and okay. then also like easily wipeable um, just, just, because of, just because of COVID and because of like health reasons as well. Um, but I mean, I mean, texture is it's quite relative. I can't, I can't say a rough texture or a cotton type of texture or this type of texture is what's yeah. great for you. What has been great is because of the fact that we've been studying a lot of how animals work and how animals interact work. with their space. So we've kind of gone yeah. away with non-porous textures. 
because you've realized that they actually harbored. So like like real, like tough leather. Um, so people have gone away from that or like that plastic that, that gets out that smell. So there's been recycled vinyl um, a lot because, I mean, it's you can wipe it down and it does breathe. Um, oh, so like breathable, breathable fabrics and breathable um, materials are what materials. people are going going more towards and even um just recycled and sustainable words are what people are going because oh, i mean we wow. can't take people away from like using wood because you know it it's it's nostalgic like we have grown up to know that wood is more comfortable is more homey and it's of course uh, so even even how people treat wood as well um it's and and people are also going a lot more towards the whole locally produced, uh, more sustainable words. More so which kind of helps because the sustainable words also, also that don't release a lot of like um, chemicals into the air. Well. Chemical. Mm. Yeah. So that's mm. so that's mm. what that's what the trend is, and that is what well, we're trying to push as well. I'm very Whoa. I'm very I'm very intrigued by the fact that I have an 11 year old and I didn't know why we bought or I got a swath, there's something, there's a piece of cloth that comes with baby stuff. Most mm. most in, in baby shops, they sell it. It's mm. called a swath. It's just a square little thing. It looks like your uh, wet cloth or face cloth, but it's got different textures on it. So yeah. when the baby's five years old and you are introducing different textures of food, yeah. they've been drinking milk, suddenly they have to drink, they have to eat mashed potato, mashed sweet potato and whatever. Even their environment has to be like that. So the swath mm. has got little portions where it's got little pimples so that they can touch and feel yeah. that part of this. And you just throw it in their court and kids find it very interesting. They bite on it. There's a part where it is rubber. Oh. There is a part that I mean, I didn't know that that's what it is about. I know for the food. Yeah. When, mm. you, when you put it in the food processor, you process it at different textures. You can make it smooth, smooth. Some of and then you put means to leave it a little bit rough because your child needs to be introduced to food. Different textures, exactly. Yeah, in a, in oh. different it, it, it's, I mean, it is soothing. I don't think I don't think we ever grow we we grow out of that because yeah. the more stressed you are, you do need soothing elements. Yeah. Um, so even if you look at where your desk is right now, I mean, the de your desk texture and your glass and your coasters and your like right. you'll find yourself that when you're stressed, you will move your hands around just to feel something different. It's, it is a calming factor. And then we do actually think about that when we design someone's, especially like square meter space just around them. We try and make sure that they've got a lot of things to, to look at, things to touch and things to um, visualize and, and see and smell. And um, oh. yeah, just, wow. just around really? them. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a thing. It's a human, human wellness. It's 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 a very serious. Um, it is a very it's a very serious component of, of why we do what we do. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. it's in the background. So we work a lot, as I said, with it is. human resource uh, departments and um, mm. the facilities managers as well, more than we actually work with the actual client, um, yeah. because we have to understand where their biggest problem is in terms of how people work at their work um, yes. and how to make them feel better. Because when you feel better, then you do better. So I know. I've got a question. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, Lelo, when you say commercial spaces, it brings me to something. I, I <laughs> Having worked in projects where we would develop a clinic, right? Yeah. So, you will work. So, clinics and hospitals, do they mm. use interior architects? Is that the reason why they look uniform and the same? They stress me out, by the way. They all look the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's what so, I'm saying. Like, what Emma's <laughs> talking about is, like, so... I, I haven't seen this. I haven't gotten this feeling that corporates and offices actually go this in-depth into human lives. Yeah. yeah. You see, I see that in the new buildings. I mean, the new Standard Bank building in Rosebank, we watched it come up. It is yeah. amazing. And oh. that was very well thought out. And they took us on a tour. So that's why I know. Mm. And when Sasol was going to be built, I was still there. So the new Sasol building, I know that. But I didn't know what architect we were walking around with they did say yeah. this is an architect where should the clinic be what makes sense to you as a medical professional where should mm. where should it be what's what's easy for access and those are the questions i was asked but ultimately professional spaces that are like that where there are sick people and then mm. there are health workers is are those the, do those spaces use interior architects um yes yes they do um but the only reason that we don't see and hospitals and hotels actually they've got a yeah, yeah, massive yeah. manual on what not to do before oh. the what to do <laughs> so oh. it's so it's very difficult for us to i mean you can't put plants let's say like in in a hospital because yeah. you don't know who's allergic yeah. to what yeah. Um, so yeah. and you can't oh. put up certain colors because you don't know um, what people react to in terms of like epilepsy and, um, oh. and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So so there's a whole so there's a whole lot. Um, so yes, they do use they do use advisors and consultants and tier architects and all of that. Right. Um, yeah. But but it's way more strict for them because yes. when people go in there, their the immune system is already so low mm. that you cannot compromise yeah. it with aesthetics um, yes. so that is why they all they all do seem to look the same uh because they have to they have to look like that um yes. hotels yes. hotels the same thing because hotels you have to think that you know there's a million people going to go through your doors so you don't know right. who has what ailments or allergies or anything so mm. they try and make it look aesthetically pleasing as much as they can um and they, they try to use the very bare minimum to make it look good and same as hospitals as well because you have to when you, when you are going through these things as i said because you are working with people's senses you have to yes. be comfortable to like the very bare minimum you have to think of the worst worst case scenario whereas like in offices it's very rare that um if somebody does not like a plant we can shift them to a separate area or shift the plant somewhere um so they don't have to interact with their plant yeah but there is like one person out of a hundred whereas like in a hospital there's like a hundred people are i mean 99 people are allergic to this plant versus the yeah. one person who is not so this um, is so true so the, the, unfortunately mm. they, they, they have to look that way but there's okay. been a shift there's been a shift like internationally on yeah. the understanding that when people also, when they're in a beautiful space, they actually heal quicker yeah. than when you're in Amen. a Amen. <laughs> <But> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> 
So like, I am hospitals. so glad people understand this. Yeah. Like, this so private food. hospitals, they are they are using they are using a lot a lot more of like design aesthetics yeah. into these spaces. Um, but you know we know that uh, government hospitals they're not very open to. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they're very yeah. comfortable with what they know and stick to it. Absolutely, so I really, really love what you've just said sure. about beautiful spaces, Healing spaces, and, right? And mm. Lelo, you touch on you keep going back to sustainability, right? Um, I would like you to explain just what you mean by sustainability, and then I'm mm. very interested in um, how have you seen the shift in terms of sustainable building, especially now with COVID? Because I'm sure there's been some shifts. Like we're starting to understand the importance of earthy materials indoors to help us ground and connect mm. to the earth and all that. So if you could just yeah. touch on that a little, that would be amazing. Um, so sustainability is broken up, in my view, into two separate elements. So you've got the sustainability of the green aspect of it, yeah, which okay. is using healthier materials um, as mm -hmm. locally produced as possible so that where the material is being produced, um, where it's been shipped to, it's there's a little distance as possible. Between, so, yeah. So... Mm -hmm. That has been great, especially for South African manufacturers, is because of the fact that a lot of people now understand that sustainability means shipping something from China or from America yeah. actually causes a lot more air pollution than um, going than going to even Cape Town, you know, and getting somebody to to make that very same thing for you. Um, mm -hmm. So sustainability for me, that's it, it. It just means about it. Just talks more about like the health nature of whatever that is that you're using into your, mm -hmm. into your space mm -hmm. um, so even things like the glue that's been used now to do carpets I mean it's it's healthy it's green and mm -hmm. um, it doesn't release a lot of like um, smell and scent into the air um, so that's that's the one aspect and the other part of sustainability that I think is very important is the sustainability of that material in terms of the longevity of that material um, so there's been a great shift as well into either the longevity, uh, because you have seen how also warranties and guarantees have gone longer, whereas before people was like two-year guarantee or three-year guarantee, now companies are actually requesting for the 10 to 20-year guarantees for their wow. materials or for the chairs oh, and tables. Oh, I see. Okay. And then not okay. not only not only the longevity of it, but then if this thing breaks down, how does it break down? So there's a lot of interest into that as well. So the chair that I'm using, if I if it breaks, uh, because either I gain too much weight or you know the the leg is broken, whatever it is, when you take it back to the manufacturer, what is their breakdown process? So now there's also certificates that can actually show you what we call okay. what we call a cradle to grave certificate. So you can see that how they're gonna take it apart and every single part of that chair will either be recycled or reused in some other way. How is it going to um, be disposed? Well, what is just, it called? Oh, it's, it's, cradle, it's a cradle to grave principle. Oh, um, cradle to grave. Oh, okay. yes, cradle to grave. So, mm. so I'm sure like now, if you look at, especially locally produced products, if you actually look at the labels, um, you will see that it will say, 
80% of this material has been recycled or whatever percentage of this material has been yeah. recycled. Yeah, it is yes. because now people okay. are actually demanding that. People are actually requesting to know that if I'm no longer in need of this, Absolutely. if I no longer use this, um, how is this going to be disposed Wait. of? So that's, those are two mm. elements of the sustainability that, that I usually talk about when I speak about sustainability. Mm. Um, oh, wow. And then the great, the great shift is from... Um, I would say from 10 years to about 15 years ago, like when I started working, mm. <laughs> um, yeah. people, could just, people could just build whatever way they were, they, they'll build. You know, people could, especially like in offices, yes, interior designers were, we were being used, yeah. but we could spec whatever carpet, we could spec whatever light, we could spec. But now uh, because of, I would say, because of people like the Green Building Council and a lot of sustainability consultants in the industry, Council regulation has now actually taken on a lot of the sustainability um, issues onto their portfolio. Wow. So, okay. Um, okay. if you well, you were talking earlier about like taking over, like refurbishing the buildings in the CBD. Yes. So, um, the first thing you will see mm. when somebody does a refurb it is they will change all the windows. It is because yes. it's now government regulation that when your window breaks, it mustn't break in shards. It must actually break like in those rounded, like the safety glass. So everybody now must change all your windows to safety glass and it must be UV protected. It must be, you know, there's now there's oh, all these elements wow. that we never thought of that, that were nice to have that now government has come on board and said, actually, these are no longer nice to have. These are must haves in the industry, especially in the construction industry. Um, even I the see. type of lighting that we have, you'll see that if you take your uh, phone camera wherever you go and you take a video, you'll see now you're getting a less, less of that flickering light that goes onto your yeah. camera versus yes. now the camera state because now government has said like that flickering, it must stop. <laughs> Um, <laughs> these lighting companies must figure because it causes you headaches and like, we don't even actually think about the flickering because it's, it's, well, it happens so quickly like we, our eyes don't recognize it but when you take a video mm. then you'll see that flickering um, mm. so th there's, there's been a major shift thank goodness um, into regulating <laughs> goodness. The, the industry <laughs> into making yeah. things a lot more sustainable on purpose Just on paper. Uh, well, the flickering, the flickering actually exacerbates uh, feet, epilepsy. Yeah. So people yeah, with wow. epilepsy can get, can get a feet from switching on the TV, you know. You remember wow. the TV? The old TVs, whenever yes, they did that. Yes. So those flashing lights can, can, can cause epilepsy or they exacerbate or yeah. for someone who didn't even know that they've got epilepsy and they are under mm. stress it can actually give them their first feet. Man, this is a so, jam. So I'm so... This is amazing. <laughs> so, so it must be very challenging then in your, in your career. Tell us about the commercial spaces that you've done or some of the challenges that you come across when, when we mm -hmm. invite you and say, come and do my prop, prop doc mom office. And then... <laughs> And then I have got my own inputs because I want things to be yellow and green. What yes. are the, yeah, two or three yes. times. <laughs> normally, because we are crazy, right? When we yes. 
you actually you never find a lot of interior architects doing residential purely because of what we call the housewife oh, condition. I mean, uh, guys, I can can I just say? <laughs> and um, I mean, I did my mom's house, and I took up yeah. drinking because of it. Because I, I know, like, wow. come on, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Like, I can't do this anymore. And like, I just say so on the podcast, it is not true. It is. mom has got good taste. no no let's not please like the amount of like biting so um because of the fact that i would say especially in south africa or in the african continent interior designers and interior architects are really not seen as professionals yeah um so so when you go into a space and then you advise somebody it's kind of like they they're asking you for your opinion but they don't really want it Um, because if an engineer and architect says this is how things have to be you would go okay yeah no I completely get it because you're a professional I get you Um, but but one of the challenges is actually trying to convince people who hired you that you are actually a professional in your field um, and that the things that you are advising them are for their own benefit and for their own good more than anything else so um, own benefit Wow. I would say as well as is in my industry, being a black female in my industry, being black in my industry, it's it's quite challenging. It's 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 really it's really really rough. Um, problem. So you you have to you really need to be quite um, have a thick skin for it. It took me a very long time for me you know to take things personally. Um, I know that they say, oh, no, women need to have a thick skin in construction. But when you're a black female, if you think your client don't take you seriously, imagine if your junior at your office or your intern at your office does not take you seriously purely because you're a black person. So you're yeah. constantly fighting battles on both sides of both client and the people that you work with. Oh. Um, I it's, see. It's, so so, so it's, it's quite challenging. But but I, I like the challenge because... I have one mentor who said, never strive to be a black female anything. Just strive to be the best at what you do. I doing. like that. So I've always, so whenever people challenge me, I take it more as I will let my work prove them wrong, um, if anything. Yeah. So it but isn't that exhausting? I have to it ask. It sounds it is, it is exhausting, exhausting because now you have to work harder for something where other people are getting benefits by just being, you know? So now your work is always, you can never, it sounds like it always has to be top, top, top. Like when do you get too human? When do you get, mm. when you have days where I'm like, the end result is going to be incredible, but the process right now, I need a human moment. Yeah. um, It's exhausting. But the way that I mm-hmm. see it, and this is maybe this is maybe a fairy tale for me, but the way that I see it, if I do this and I do it quite well and my business goes quite well and and it actually becomes a a good a good sustainable business, as in like it's not a it's not a fly by night, it's, it's I want it to be yes, here for the next forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's because I want then for it to have other black females know that they don't have to work as hard. 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? I see. So yeah. if I break I if I break that mold and if my colleagues that I'm currently trying to work with, if we work hard mm. to be seen as not black females who do this, as black females who do this really well and really great, it's gonna be easier for somebody for the new generation that comes behind us. Um mm. So I kind of see it as, you know, like um, how Mama Mises' generation, you know, how they ended the apartheid. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is my duty to to end the to end the black people are lazy stigma in my industry. Um, so yeah. I, kind of I always like, say, I'm just gonna say it as I always say, black people didn't go out and enslave <laughs> other races, right? They didn't go out <laughs> and create a passage to get labor. So please, yeah. how are we lazy? We didn't go out and oppress people for free labor. But unfortunately, also, like that's, that's that stigma is, that you have to fight. I know, but like it's also over and over again. Isn't this just a false stigma that we have taken on? Because I get what you're saying, mm-hmm. Lelo, and I so yeah. sympathize with it. But I sympathize. We only sympathize with it. <laughs> yeah, because too it hard. It's too hard. It's, yeah. By the time you get to sixty, how are you gonna be? How are you gonna yeah. feel in your body? Yeah, yeah I know. It, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I, I will. I will say this without trying to be racist. It is a black problem. It <laughs> is a it is a, black, it is a black on black problem. I, I will say it is a black on black problem more than it is a white on black problem. Um, okay, I, I, I do feel as though I do get a lot of resistance mm-hmm. from from my people because if you think wow. about contractors, yeah. you don't think about contractors as. Yeah. Um, white people on site. You do every time you see a building go up, it is black laborers who are on site. It is black yeah. contractors yeah. and project true, managers true. on site. So the people that I'm fighting at work, they're also my people because they oh, would wow. rather take an instruction from um, a white person who is like ten years my junior than take an instruction from me. Sure. Um, so so it is it is a constant battle. It is exhausting. I will say this. It is exhausting, but because what I'm, because in in my view, the reason why I'm doing it, the why of what I'm doing it, it is so mm-hmm. that it, it becomes easier eventually. So it it's it's easier for me it to just like stand up and be like keep mm-hmm. going at it because I yes. have seen I have seen the breakdown not in South yeah. Africa per se. I've worked in Zambia. I've worked in Nairobi, and I've and I've worked in Rwanda, and you yeah. you. You do see how, yeah. like, I, w- I will say this in Uganda and Rwanda, black professionals are taken seriously because because they don't take nonsense. They don't do the yes, ma'am, mm. no, ma'am kind of thing. They they don't take it as a, so. When you come yeah. in, you have yeah. to also come in with the same level of professionalism, yes, of um, yes. and no excuse professionalism. And the same in Zambia as awesome. well. It is mm. most of the big professionals are black mm. people. So when yeah. you come in, you have to come with the same level of professionalism. Of professionalism. But I also think, so, can I just say, like, it's easy to come with that level of professionalism when I'm coming in and walking in and I am not already walking in with, okay, I'm coming with professionalism, but now I need to prove myself because I'm a black woman and, 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 right? Because yeah. what mm. we are doing in South Africa, I think part of the hardship and the difficulty is that 
you're really professional. You're really excellent at what you do. But yeah. now you're coming in with excellency, professionalism, and now you're like, now I, I need to, to do an extra, extra because yeah. I'm yeah. and I'm female. Yeah. 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 But, the, but that's I what think, I'm saying. I think, I think it, it is a black on black thing because, I mean, I've worked in, I've worked in commercial, I've worked in corporate before. Yeah. yeah. And uh, because of the fact that I've had such insanely like hardworking, hardworking, sorry, mentors, um, yeah. they all own their own businesses and they all, they don't, they don't use race as an excuse for anything i see because i've had that whenever i've entered a commercial into i mean into corporate Mm -hmm. i've seen and i I will say this i've seen how it's either the black people get demotivated because of the fact that they're thinking that they'll never get promoted or whatever it is so they're just going to do the bare minimum you know, like yeah. come in at nine I and even five. Them, like, yeah, no, yeah. Like, I get, guys, I'm no, I get, sorry. I get Maybe that. It's because but... I've lived in Asia and I feel like I've gotten so used to being treated like a human that, like, yeah. <laughs> anything you don't have, else yeah, but, but, but no I've, longer works. Like, what I've really seen is, is that, that people who. But no. people who do want to succeed, people who do want to get promoted, they do the work to get promoted. Because yeah, what one of it's my mentors, yeah, mm. one of my mentors said, if your value that you're putting into your company is the same as the same value that you're going to putting in next year, then I don't have to give you a promotion. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what he mm. was saying to me is that is that your role every year it is for your value to increase, for your mm. value to increase. Um, mm. So when people are doing the very bare, so maybe maybe it's because I'm always surrounded by my Miranda and my mom and all these mentors that that I've seen hard work and I've seen how hard work pays <laughs> off. So yeah. for me, it's not it's not you easy to do the bare minimum. You start talking the truth <laughs> to these kids. Like, do you see what you've created? Do you see? Do you see how you've made my job so much harder? Are you listening to this? <laughs> <laughs> it is so hard. It is so hard when I know that the undoing of hard work because it was so drummed into us is yeah. so hard. And the more you see, you and I spoke um, um, uh, the other day about that child who has got a YouTube channel who just sits and plays with a toy and he has yes. probably made a billion each year for the past two years. So we were just talking about it and and the more you see that, the more you see that actually it's not the hard work that gets you ahead. And for me, you can imagine how hard it is to be at my age and have to reverse to say, maybe not hard work, maybe smarter work, maybe different work. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, yeah. So it's been, and and including that thing that, oh, okay. So the black woman uh, syndrome as well is not my battle alone. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. I do not have to go into places already armored with, I'm going to fight this because, gosh, it's tiring. And it tires you more when you have to push against another Mm. black woman in the workplace. Mm. It's Mm. hard. It's hard. Can I also so I, just? I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so excited that we're having this conversation on this podcast because you know it's. I deeply, deeply stand for ease, Lelo, and everything that I you know. Discussed, I deeply. <laughs> what I want to say is, 
What if you go or you choose to work with people that get you, where you don't ever have to prove yourself? South Africa, and this is the thing Period. that I always say to people, South Africa is vast. There are many different people mm -hmm. you can choose as your clients. Yeah. If South Africa is not working, Zambia wants you, right? Yeah. Uganda wants you, Rwanda wants you. Because we don't have to yeah. put up with this that will tire us. Because like I said, I want, I really, I hear that there's a lot of young black women doing this, right? Yeah. And I feel like, let's just sit down and think about it. Where are you going to be at 60? Where are you going to mm -hmm. be at 65 if you continue on this path? You're coming, yeah. you're proving. When do you get to rest? When do you yeah. get to human? Yeah. Next thing, your kids are going to be mm -hmm. saying this and saying like, but we have seen how hard you've worked, how hard you've fought. So we're now continuing that mantle. Is this yeah. what we want to pass on? Yeah. This constant need to yeah. prove yeah. ourselves, to constantly, because every time we go into proving ourselves, what is happening is we are triggering our not good enough trauma wounds. Mm. We're playing right into that because it's saying that, I am not enough, so I need to prove my enoughness and my awesomeness to you. Absolutely. This is being, I am enough, I am awesome, I have nothing to prove, I just come in, I do my work. So mm -hmm. now it's like you're doing double the work. I hope this is making sense, right? You're no, doing no, the yeah. work of proving mm -hmm. and you're doing the work of your profession. And every time you Absolutely. have to prove yourself, you go yeah. out of alignment with your truth, with, with who you are and yourself. And actually, it ends up slowing us down in terms of financial expansion. So yeah. I, I always say there is no harm in saying this person is not my person. Let yeah, me go find my people that Absolutely. will pay me what I want, that will never ask me for uh, to prove myself and do more. Mm. And like, I am serious. Like if for some reason <laughs> there's a slow period in South Africa, things are not working Uganda, Zambia, the whole of Africa is open for business, guys. Business. We don't have to. <laughs> I know this. I'm a massive advocate of, of <laughs> United States of Africa. That's how I look at it. Um, yeah. So I, I don't see me being in South Africa as I can only work here. Yeah. Actually, mm. I do canvas for work everywhere. And, uh, and, yeah. and I have gotten it. And... Yeah. Um, I will say the reason that I'm trying to push so hard, and it's and the thing is like Miranda, you're right. There's a difference between working hard and working smart. Yeah. So yeah. when when I'm fighting, I'm not I'm not fighting to a point where it's exhausting my spirit. Okay. Um, yeah. So everything mm -hmm. that I do, every the way that I fight, it is the way that is going to grow me in some way. Grow so, you in some way, yeah. I think Miranda, I spoke to you about it the other day. I was like, I, I no yeah. longer want to fight to work for these certain developers or certain yeah. brokers or certain, yeah, because I will never get those jobs <laughs> because of the fact of who I mean, I'm one of them, I've worked everywhere and 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 I can't. Yeah. So, so the only yeah. way that I can do it, it is to create that space for me and my people. And when I'm saying yeah. me and my people, I'm talking about like-minded people, not just black people, mm. but like-minded no, people. Yes. people want we to need, work we with you. We need that space and we need that to, you know, to, to harness their own craft and to yeah. harness what they do and who love what yeah. they do. I love what yeah. I'm doing. Um, yes. 
and I know, I know. It would have been easier for me to do something else and that is like quick money. It would be easier for me to go back and do a nine to five and listen to some um, 21 year old tell me what to do as long as I'm getting my paycheck. It would be easier for me to do that. But I love what I do. So when when I'm saying I am fighting, I'm not I'm not fighting in a way that's exhausting. I'm fighting for you that is that is growing. I okay, hope so. That we, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and we spoke about an important aspect. Um, so tell me, which brings us really squarely into this. How are you guys compensating? Is it a fee that's regulated somewhere? Will I know that this is what an, an interior architect charges as opposed to if I get an interior decorator. Yeah. They, how, how do you get paid? And is it is it a struggle because of that? Or do you find that people are willing to pay the, these commercial spaces that, that no. hire you guys? <laughs> do they pay you? <laughs> you know, some 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 girl is listening to you, Lelo, and you've really made it so tasteful. And they are thinking Okay, yeah. so I need to pay the bill. So they want to know, can I price? Is it fair pricing? What, yeah. What's your sense? Mm-hmm. So so on the ID site or on this regulating body site, um, yeah. the, the, the information used to be very freely available, uh, but now it is kind of like you have to pay for it to get it. <laughs> um, so, so because of that, it's it's not very easy for us to actually have like a charge sheet that is, that has a stamp from the regulating body that says, mm-hmm. according to this body, the minimum I can charge is this, so therefore I can't go lower than that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So un- unfortunately, a lot of, especially like in our industry, um, and I'm going to say the built industry, not just, not just for us, because I've seen a lot of architects yes. who struggle with the same thing as well. Um, yeah. It, it's people know they need your service. People know they want your service, but they don't. They want to set the value for you. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what my advice would be to somebody who doesn't know how to charge is to either um, think about their last, uh, the last time that they worked, take their fees, and then divide it by the number of hours, and then that is how they will get their fees, and mm-hmm. um, and then work that as a minimum, and then know that that is your bare worth minimum, and don't go below that. Um, mm. or even just just ask just ask around. Unfortunately, people are not very forthcoming about how much they charge or what they want to charge oh. or why they charge the way that they do. Ooh, so it? it is it is quite difficult. I must say, with me, it's been a lot of like trial and error to get to this point to the point where even with my clients, I'll say to them, "I'm not going to go below this. I'm sorry, this is my value," uh, because okay. I understand the value that I'm adding onto their projects. Um, but the the, reg, mm. the the regulating body they used to they used to actually have a charge sheet that you could just print out and then mm. attach that to your attach it to your invoices. Uh, but unfortunately, like I said, it's not it's not really available anymore um, unless mm. like you actually pay to subscribe to become part of this regulating body. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's quite it's quite subjective and unfortunately it's quite hard. So if you know. If you know your worth, then stick to that. And if they don't want to pay for it, then give them nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the next project. So, so tell me, Lelo, is it um does it require you to do again? There is a, a younger person than yourself that's listening to this podcast. We are finding a whole range of people listening to us. Um, to become an interior architect. 
does it require any special subjects at high school? Is it is it something that someone coming from a technical school would just get into? Does it need any any special anything before you um, enter? And where would you go? What what sort of college do they go to? I don't even know. I know your school. <laughs> Well, well, fortunately, unfortunately, you still need a uh, university entrance qualification. Um, I see. So, um, but, but I think because of the fact that now there's a lot of private colleges that do it as well, um, you don't mm. have to get university entrance, just pass metric very well. Yeah. That's what I would, I would say. I think it's quite, as long as you have um, a technical background or even a okay. fine arts or drawing, because you do need to draw, because a lot Drawing. of the time when you I explain see. to a client, you need to like sketch it down on a piece okay. for them yeah. um, to visualize what they're, what they're saying. So if you have a creative mind and um, a perspective mind and a technical mind, I see. Um, I yeah, see. so I, I mean, I mean, yeah, math, sci math and science, I would say, but I was mm -hmm. quite bad at math and science, <laughs> quite good at what I'm doing, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad it doesn't um, limit because most yeah. couldn't care less with men. Yeah. They don't, don't need it yeah. for their <laughs> I mean, you do, so I, I, mean, I use mathematics a lot, but um, thank goodness for computer programs because now they do all the calculations for you. So I don't have to like sit there and be like, uh, I don't know, so X many millimeters. B squared. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, and for, fortunately for us, there's, there's been a lot of, like the computer programs that we're using, now they do a lot of the calculations for you, but they can't do the reasoning for you. So you need to, mm, there's something okay. you have to have some sort of technical skills and perception okay. and a sense of perception and visualization as well. Uh, because of the fact that the government body, I mean, it will say a certain percentage of the building must have this amount of occupancy space and each person is allowed this many square meters per. Mm -hmm. So these are the things, that's I why see. mathematics, it is important because you have to understand the, the mathematics behind space. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's why, that's why math and science, they're actually a, a good regulation to have. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to ask though, my last question is there, are there particular universities that people look at or technicons or is it just you can go to any university? Um, university of Pretoria, I know everybody loves that one for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, because apparently they, they're quite, uh, their program is quite, it's quite great. Uh, mm -hmm. But I went to a private college called Design Center. I liked it because... Yes. Um, I'm not I'm not huge academia, but I'm a huge on practicals, um, and that's how that school mm. is. They mm. they're more about practice what you preach more than yes. theory. Um, yes. So they'll teach you a little bit of theory, but the majority of the time it is how you put it into practice. Um, okay. So, wow. So I really I really enjoyed that um, that um, I think University of Cape Town also has a really good program as well for it. Uh, I must say, I don't know. I mean, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot in there's a lot in Joburg. I, I can't speak okay. for other provinces, but I know there's a, there's a lot in Joburg. They just do a little bit of research. They will find a lot of private colleges, a lot of small colleges that actually delve small on colleges. the yeah, the delve yeah. on the, the more practicality and more and then the theory. Whereas like the big universities are very big on theory, less than they are on the practical skills. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's so. 
That is true. I am so glad there are small centers. Then I yeah. don't know about you. I'm educated. I'm ready to graduate in interior architecture. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can, no, no. I, can, I can see myself do it. I can see myself so do it. You spoke to elements that I really, really love. The human wellness is absolutely incredible. We, yeah. We, we treat lots of people with lots of diseases and mm. lots of anxiety because of the type of space they work in. Computers, great tools, but absolutely the bane for our good health as well. Yeah. yeah so very, very so for me, this is like gems of I I just yeah, I've known you all. Yeah, like I, actually Lisa, as we're talking. I felt like yeah. this could be something that you offer, like with uh, sustainable design just? of hospitals and all that. It merges your interest in real estate as product hey, Can you see that? And also merges the, <laughs> your interest in real estate. It's just, as I, was, as I was listening to this, I was like, Miso can do the sustainable, like, healthcare centers. This is like a thing. But it is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could build the healing, the healing centers. It just makes me yeah. think, guys, yeah. healing spaces are absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. So and they need to be a certain way. And healing spaces don't impact the patient only. Health workers yeah. are exhausted. I'm just exactly. thinking about the corridors. The corridors we had to walk when we are uh, when I was when I was a houseman I don't wish yeah. for those corridors mm. I don't want to be in a hospital as a health professional I don't want to be in those hospitals as a patient those places make me ill already when I yeah. think about quite, them they're quite depressing I mean like yeah. even if you're not sick when you walk in there you're just kind of like I don't want to be here so you can right. imagine that if you are there like you know you can't leave you just had an up how depressing yeah. um all of that has to be, especially for the to healthcare be. workers, as you as yeah. you say. It's hard. Well, it's like hard, those guys, corridors that are you. not very well lit and they're yeah. dark and they have like this depressing floor and yeah. it's just um so mm. but, but, but there is a shift, as I said. There is a shift and and then I don't know, unfortunately we they all the shift is always overseas and then it takes about like five years for South Africa to catch on and be like, Oh, okay, cool, yeah, I didn't know we could do that. Um, but I'm just thinking that maybe next year or the year after the new hospitals that are being built are going to be built with uh, human Different. wellness. And you'd think that hospitals will be the first place. But the first. But no. From next year, they'll start but thinking that the way. The people who determine a psychiatric hospital. Oh, let's not even start. They on don't that. Ask, no, they don't ask the patients and they think, oh, patients are too mad to even ask. Oh, okay, let's ask the health professionals. The health professionals are too yeah. busy being busy, right? So who advocates for those people? And then no you see does. the small windows at psychiatric yeah. hospitals. Yeah. Oh gosh, guys, yeah. like no. This is <laughs> the rationale so the psychiatric patients, they run away, right? They break out of the hospital and they run away. But somebody needs to find a sustainable and a, a way that makes it sustainable to keep mm. someone who's gone manic and they really can't see themselves. Mm. So there is, there is, but the rationale comes from someone who's only doing construction. Right now, with yes. COVID, you should have seen when we walked the hospitals to see who has got a better isolating zone and how do you protect the health care workers. This is where they, 
they enter this the egress where they shower and they leave. There's no thinking. Yeah. Because whoever is thinking is a facilities manager. Facilities manager says, we've got this space, we've got, yeah, at the end of the world, this is where you change. This is fascinated mm-hmm. by this totally. And I want to see this work in the future and how it's going to be. Maybe we won't even admit anyone in the hospital. <laughs> Maybe our patients, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm full. I'm like... I am full. Full, full. So, let's move on to the next segment good. of the show. We always go okay. into these tangents every once in a while. That <laughs> <laughs> this was amazing. Thank you, Lelo. Guys, My stay tuned. We're still going to the next segment of the show. <laughs> on to the next segment of our show. Magical feedback from our hosts. Where our hosts share their three takeaways from today's episode. Okay, so welcome to Magical Feedback, guys. So... Nizo, do you want to start off with the feedback or do you want me to start off with this feedback? I've got That's so much. Your number one. I've got so much stuff. I'm still trying to figure out which one to leave out, which one to talk about. Go with your number one. Let's hear. Um, my number one was just the, literally the difference between architect, interior designer, architectural, um, interior architect. Gosh, like what? And that everyone has their own little speciality. (laughs) 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 Talk about your, no, I felt like I just got a full on education out in these streets. So my full on takeaway. So my major takeaway is um, how she said that the interior architect looks at what you don't see that complements the aesthetic, right? I actually wrote that down and that, yeah. and that it's the interior walls. So it's, yeah, so that was my big, big takeaway was that, that there are architects and such a thing as an interior architect. Guys, you, as they say, to go is to see. To go is to sing and then. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I really, that's me. Hey, interior architect, decorator, and yeah. interior designer. Guys, don't go around calling them the same person. They are not. Yes, honestly. But I really, really like that. And yeah. then, um, you know, following on to that, then, my biggest takeaway was how you go and study this thing and then you don't get seen as a professional that was a big takeaway for me that that so, hurts that hurts firstly yeah. you go and do these big huge jobs you know how banks look and they yes. change their look and whatever i see now what she's talking about i thought it is and when an interior designer and an interior architect are one mixed masala and they are yeah. not they are yes. not, their professions are not being spoken for as, as different, different sciences. Mm. That is so incredible, given what they do, given mm. what they do with buildings. 
I mean, mm. that is very hurtful, right? That so is hurtful. Yeah, I think that was such an important thing to note and to, to know as well how buildings come together and what makes them this beautiful before the person puts the blue couch in the cushions, right? Amen. Amen. Yeah. I agree with that. And yeah. then um, my other t- <laughs> my number two takeaway is, let me see, mm. uh, human wellness, right? Wow. So yeah. like, um, let me just start by saying that I did not, like, I kind of knew that buildings can be designed for human wellness, but I didn't know how deep it goes. I didn't understand that um, there were now council regulations on natural light light. that has to come into a building. So that is really, really fascinating to me. Fascinating Um, for me. Mm -hmm. That for me was amazing, right? And how she says um, human wellness is is how a space impacts your psychological well-being. We often talk about this, you know, we'll be like, this space is so gorgeous. When I arrive, I just want to relax in it. But we've never ever thought about what it takes to create that. Like, why is it that some spaces are one way and other spaces are not? And the reason why this was a big takeaway for me is I'm thinking as a real estate investor, you want to know this, especially when you're doing huge developments, you yeah. want to work around human wellness because if your future tenants are coming into a building and they see it and they walk in and they just get that sense of relaxation, I yeah. want to stay here, I yeah. want to be here. Like literally the building sells itself. Yeah. You no longer have to worry about How finding the tenant. right tenants and Thank everything. You. So. This for me is like you're spending money up front, but you're saving yourself so much. It will pay back yeah. in spades. Yeah. So oh, that, that was, was my big takeaway. That was important for me because having worked in hospitals and how I knew that I don't want to work in a space where I have to walk these long corridors. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand. There were so many things that I didn't like about the hospital yeah. that I knew that it would kill me to continue working in a hospital. So it was very, very easy for me to leave because this uniform walls that are light blue or white, I couldn't deal with them. It's a long passage, it's so monotonous, but I'm sure they are functional, but interior um, architects make them also contribute to a patient's Mm. health and contribute to the workers' health. The health workers yeah. need an environment that is that is palatable as well, right? So yeah. that was great. That is, wow. that is such a good takeaway then. I like it. Um, and also, the interior architect is responsible for how build, buildings um, 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 honor their sustainability principles. You know, we go to all these big conferences, COP19, COP18, and talk yeah. about carbon emissions and talk yes. about those things. So their job is that is to make sure that also the material that is used to subdivide or to furnish the place um, is locally produced so that we contribute yeah. to the sustainability of the planet. Isn't that yeah. just an incredible thing? So they are job sure. linked to green buildings. I think it's such a huge job. 
And for, for hmm. such a huge job not to be recognized as a professional, that's such a letdown. I think their professional bodies need to be doing more. But I actually want to say, remember, she did keep stressing that in other countries, they recognize as professionals. So it's not an impossible thing to recognize them as professionals. It's just that, why aren't we doing the same in South Africa? Somebody needs to listen and do something about it. So that yeah. that is education for me. I am yeah. I see now when they say sustainability, and I've I've seen yeah. three buildings in Johannesburg: your Sasol Building, Discovery, and Standard Bank. Ah, gorgeous buildings. Then, wow. and what is nice is you can tell that they um they use um lighting that only goes on when there are people in those buildings. When there are no people, there's no lighting, right? Yeah. That wastage of energy and, I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. so I've, no, Ooh, I've had, I love this. Yeah, I love Ooh, it. Oh, that's nice. Okay, yeah. so the my last takeaway is often how, like, environment um, impacts design, um, of yes. buildings and architectural oh, yes. design. Yes. So I don't even know if it's like environment and for homes with windows, which already that was my obsession, right? Complete yeah. light. Like guys, yeah. where I live, I have light at all times. I never, sw- I never draw the blinds. I never close my curtains. I've been like that most of my life. It's really, really hard to live any other way. So. Mm-hmm. I, I find that fascinating how actually real estate is not this industry that happens in a silo. It no, is it being impacted by global events, building, yeah. like building trends are being impacted by global events. So that's that amazing. Is, that, is, that is so incredible. I think she, was, she put it very, very well. Um, so my last take, was that your last takeaway? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is my hard last takeaway. Um, when she spoke about how she feels like there are things that she still needs to learn, she spoke about finances, admin, and yeah. client management. It's interesting how, as a professional, as a creative, that one would also want to be great at the following things in accounting, how hard it is because of the way we are brought up to, mm. to think that then you are going to open your business, then you are going to do all of that yourself. You don't have to. Right? And you don't have to. I can't imagine someone who's a singer, who is Tina Turner, a big, huge star doing accounting yeah. work. That is just so hard, right? Yeah. That is so hard. And that is one of the things that I feel like people who are creative, like that, they should know upfront. And our kids need to be taught that skill of finding the right team so yes. that your creative art can progress and expand the way it should, so mm. that you don't get bogged down with invoices. Yes. Yes. Like I, I really I struggle with those things. And, and it was so hard to hear somebody else say it. I'm like, oh, okay, so there's nothing wrong with me. At me, oh. <laughs> it's so <laughs> it's just that I don't even bother you, you know don't. I don't I'm just like from the jump yeah. I am not gonna do this like who can yeah. I hire to do this better than me to do this yeah and I studied accounting right 
So yeah. kind of a funny story. I remember when we were doing charts, how I knew. So I started off in business science, finance, a CA stream at UCT, chartered accountancy yeah. stream. So guys, kind of funny. I go, we start doing like, so we're doing like accounting and um, all this. So we start with tax. And I remember this in, I think it was maybe like second year or something. Uh-huh. We started doing accounting, uh, like we had to do tax accounting or something. Yeah. Now on to the journey to magical expansion, where we ask our guests the same five questions we ask every guest. So guys, welcome to the next segment of the show. I am going to have uh, Mizo just kick us off with our journey to magical expansion as she usually Absolutely. does. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Lelo, what book changed your life? It can be a business book. It can be a fable. It can be a real estate <laughs> book or interior architect's book. Knows, right? I wish it was. <laughs> um, yeah. I would say, oh gosh, I'm so boring. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> it's Shoe Dog, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Um, dog? A friend of mine recommended it a long time ago, and he was like, "Oh, you're an entrepreneur until you read this." And I was just like, "Okay, I'm not. I'm not so. I'm not really big on on." Um, so I won't, I won't say self-help books, but like on these, like do this to do to yeah. do this kind of. Yeah. Um, so okay. when I read Shoe Dog, it it really the reason it changed my life it was because it, it put entrepreneurship into perspective for me. I see. Um, you get all of these these books that that actually romanticize. Um, entrepreneurship or they actually yeah. make you fear it you know or they or they, or they yeah. make you think if you do this this is what's going to happen in your life and I'm not a yeah. big believer of that because I kind of believe like everybody's journey is very different mm. um, so if I'm nicer to people yeah. people are not going to be nicer to me you know so um, so with shoe dog it, it put into perspective so shoe dog it is about the gentleman who started Nike um so it puts into perspective i mean this this person the majority of the book it is about his struggle to get nike to how we know it today Mm. um it's it's not even about the shoe it is not even about the tech it is not even about the lifestyle of the shoe or of the brand it is basically about the human element and the people behind it Mm. Um, so I, I got to understand things like if you don't have people who believe in you and your brand, yes. like a hundred percent, you yeah, are not going to go anywhere with those people. Like those people yeah. are going to slow you down and pull you back. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, you like reach heels for like a long period of time because you understand that the 20 rand that you have, the 19 rand you have to spend it on, making your product viable to people and that one rand is what you're going to have for yourself um Mm -hmm. so i understand so i I mean if everybody everybody that i've read who read shoe dog they've kind of said okay entrepreneurship is not for me i'm not for the struggle or they've said i'm willing (laughs) to put my brand out there because it also makes you understand that success it's not overnight it's mm. not it's not gonna come quickly and it's quite relative as well. Like you said, Miranda, earlier on, mm. I mean, 
it's not about hard work. It's it's about opportunity meets preparation and all of that kind of stuff. So, and even if Absolutely. you have an opportunity, even if you are prepared, doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to be successful. Um, so yeah, I would say shoe dog was was it really it really put a lot of things into perspective for me. Um, it lowered my shoe expectations dog. quite oh, highly. Nice. It lowered your expectations? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was like, oh, I'm not going to become Bill Gates. That's cool. That's fine. (laughs) I don't... um, Why not, though? It it made me really, like, put to paper and think about why I want to do what I'm doing. About not... Besides the the good lifestyle, besides all of that, it is... if it's impossible for me to to get the money, if it's impossible for me to get the fame, if it's impossible for me to get, would I still be doing what I'm doing? And the mm. fact that I can say yes, it means that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. It helps okay. you find your, uh, define okay. your purpose. The big why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, mm. wow. So what keeps you inspired, Lila? it's different things every single day it is is. it's 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 not it's not just the one thing but i must say it is it's my it's my why the why i'm doing this um i follow a lot of big companies in the states and the uk i would say that have reached where i'm i'm trying to go Um, so whenever I do feel like this is not going to work out I go back and I read their articles or where they came from and I mean I've only been introduced to them like 10 years ago and these people have been there since like 1980s and you're like oh okay so it's yeah so it's 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 what inspires me it is people who are where I want where I want to be eventually Mm. yeah that's beautiful okay yes yeah, that's 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 great. So, what do you wish you had known or done before taking this journey of becoming an interior architect? Would you have chosen it? What What do you think you wish you would have known fifty years before? Before now? I wish I wish I knew to to trust my gut a little bit more. I think mm, um, when I started yeah. out. Yeah, uh, I do. I do have a lot more. Mm-hmm. I do have a lot of young people who just graduated who are like, "Oh, which company should I work for?" And mm-hmm. I know this could be very bad advice, but I say to them that if you really think that you're really good, try it out on your own first. See, yeah. see how you're going to do, yeah. you know, and so that you can get, yeah. so you can be solid in in your understanding yes. and your confidence in the industry as well. Yes. Um, and then I obviously see. like get get I attach see. yourself to to industry professionals so that you don't do the wrong thing. Um, mm-hmm. because I kind of feel like when you're green in the industry, like yeah. when you are like a lot of people mold your self-esteem to not be as great. Yes. I, I think I feel. Um, they break you down to a point because they don't want you to be better or, or to be the best, yeah. you know. Um yeah. So I wish I had known to to just have a to just trust my gut a little bit more. That a little bit more. Um, yeah. That even if somebody disagrees with me, does not mean that I'm not good at what I'm doing. Yes. That that's what. Oh, I'm right at yes. what I'm doing. I must just yeah. stick to it and be confident. Yeah. 
Oh my yes. gosh, that is so important. That is and it's good to see you break that shell because, yeah, you and I had yeah. a conversation about just going to Cape Town. I'm like, just go, you know? Go fail in Cape Town and come back home. We'll still be here. And oh, yeah, and mommy's going and to I be must, very upset. I must say, all my, all my failures have been like my greatest experiences in life. I was absolutely. Mm. Always, yeah. <laughs> or all the all the things that I feared, all the things that I feared the most. Yeah, like my my biggest fear, I don't know, adventures have been like the best. Um, I mean, moving to Kenya, it was like decided in twenty four hours. Like I'm going to Kenya, and I told everybody like in the evening, "Hey guys, I'm going to Kenya tomorrow." <laughs> 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 and I moved, and then I moved to Kenya, and yeah, it was a culture shock, but it was like the best thing that's ever happened to yeah. me and my career yeah. as well. Um, yeah. So if I, I was this that. brave fifteen years ago, I mean, yes. imagine. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I love that. I love spontaneous moves. They are the oh only way God. to live life. They are, right? So, yeah, I'm thinking of moving somewhere else tomorrow, guys. I don't know where. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Love it. So what else do you, still, do you think you still need to learn in interior architecture? Or even um, in business? The, to, no, it's it's the client management I, I still feel as though it's it's not it's not something that we were taught very well mm-hmm. um and also financial management um it's yeah. not something that we are exposed to so there's a no. so the the admin part i must say of my of my business yeah. is, is what is is what i i feel like i still have so much to learn on mm-hmm. um because I kind of feel like if you that's what that's what makes companies more sustainable, I feel exactly. like have longevity. It is when they're able to handle their admin, the back of house part of, of their work. So uh, in terms yes. of just interior architecture, I just I really wish that I could break that that wall where people don't see this as a professional mm-hmm. um, entity. Um, so it's still one thing that I mean that's why I was saying to you Mama, Mama Miranda about about coming together with other professionals and, and writing um, a memorandum to the ombudsman is because I think yeah. once we understand what this industry is it's very it'll be very easy for the industry to get regulated but because of the fact that I don't even think that the professional bodies understand what it is it's very hard to regulate hard to yeah so it's 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 something that that i really wish we could we could just like it, it's seen as a professional and not, and not just for me but also interior decorators and interior designers and um they earn quite well overseas because they they're being uh respected as a pro, as professionals you know what i mean yeah. okay. so it's yeah that's what i that's more of what i wish i would learn what to do and how to do it um, could you partner with the universities to do that? Because I would assume yeah. that it's it's within their interest to have yeah. it. Of course. Because yeah. then they can, like, you know, do what, you know, what academia does, teach the degree and all those yeah. kind of things. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely willing to, to, to work with a lot of academia, especially. 
um, or universities and people who are in the teaching business. Um, but not, not, not to make this a race thing, but as I said earlier, it's so hard to be taken seriously as a black person, never mind a person in my industry. So I have tried to reach out to a lot of these people and kind of like, but you know, you're not in the circle of, of professionals, so we don't really like have to talk to you or listen to you. Um, professional. So, <laughs> wow. Hey, we got so, so much. I'm, I'm tr- that's why. That's why it's very hard. Um, like I said earlier, when when I'm saying I'm fighting, I'm I'm not fighting a, a battle that that's exhausting for me because then I have been talking to a lot of people who feel the exact same way. So yes. even if even if the, the, the lecturers or the varsities or private colleges are not willing to talk to us, I still think it's, it's still in our best interest, even as black professionals, to come together and put together come a manual together and, and say that this is the regulation body that we are going to identify with and mm. who's going to regulate what we do because... We, we, we need to be seen as not just as black people, but we need black people need to be seen in this industry and they're not. Uh, black mm. females need to be seen in this industry and they're not. And I think once we get that right, then it'll be very easier for us to shout a little bit louder. Yeah. Can you guys, well, are you guys starting a professional body of, yeah, uh, for black of women in the industry? Because yeah, in, I'm in yeah. talks with a few people, um, but yeah like yeah that's it with three people Maybe yeah that's like that's i'm with me don't don't look look yeah yeah don't look at me three people and, if, if and then see. i would say <laughs> i was gonna say what if they get cheeky and then they give awards to other black women in the industry they just that's it they just start an annual award even if all you do is have three that's prizes what, with a certificate that's exactly what what has to happen but that's exactly yeah. what what has to happen but <laughs> the thing is like you have to get people who understand why why you're doing what you're doing um yeah. last year i did i did come together with a few prof- black professionals and the money aspect for them, I later to find out like what that is what was driving them. So when they found out like there was no money, you know, then they were just kind of like, oh no, I don't know. And then they're no longer interested. So which is like quite frustrating for me. It is it is yeah. we have to have a drive bigger than our own self-interest. It is no, absolutely once you understand that if we do this right, then it everybody wins. And yes. like you're saying with the awards and stuff, I mean if you take about if you look at the shift that happened in the United States. Yeah. Once I started having the Essence Awards and the Black yeah. People Awards and the Black Actors Guild and all of that yeah. kind of stuff, all of a sudden a lot more Black people started getting hired in exactly commercially white. That's so true. it it, it has true. to it has to come from us. So it has so, to. So it has to. So we need we need to have a Black publication that that publishes Black people. We have to have a Black Instagram page that pushes Black people. We need to have Black awards that actually give awards to to Black professionals who've done good spaces and great spaces in that industry. Absolutely. And so Lelo, Lelo, that's why the podcast. Because yeah. on on what other podcast were you going to be featured as an interior architect? And how exactly. many how many yes. of us? Yeah. You, I have yeah. known you all your life, and I yeah. still couldn't explain to Ben when I said, "Oh, we've got a guest," and th- the two of us straight went into interior design. And then I was like, "No, I remember you telling me something." <laughs> yes. And then I'm writing to her. We are texting back and forth, and we just went, "Oh well." 
let's learn on the podcast. So it's yeah. important. And hence this podcast. Yeah. Let me tell you how this podcast started. Mangila was like, you are passionate about profession, about uh, property. Mizo, well, we've seen other podcasts in the US. We do mm. it, right? And it started right like this. Then exactly. we didn't even have a laptop. At the time, her laptop was broken, and yeah. we would record exactly on our phones wherever yeah. we are. Yeah. It's exactly why this podcast exists for exactly yeah. this reason, and of not course. because yeah. So that's why that's why this is so important. This whole chain and this value. Ah, Miso, you're muted. Oh. You're back. It's a revelation. <laughs> it's a revelation for us. So, so this is a revolution you're starting. So yes. don't wait for the right time. Don't wait for the yeah, right time. No, yeah. Don't wait for the perfect number of people because mm. two is enough. Two, two is, is enough. Yeah. Enough. <laughs> you know, so you know, what, what resource do you use in your profession that you want to share with other people who are listening what is it that you, what what podcast or book or youtube do you follow that 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 inspire keeps you inspired in your profession um uh, i just it's it's an online publication um that i quite read yeah. a lot it's called arc daily um so it, okay, it, it really features architects from everywhere it doesn't matter if you want race or gender um and then who've done who've done some some great work or had some ripple effect actually in in their own industries um that's the very first time i actually saw either indian or latino or black um architects or um interior architects or designers and i was just like oh okay cool so there's like wonderful people doing wonderful things out there (laughs) (laughs) And you know, and it's not, and it's not a, it's it's not a be mention. It is not a because no. she's black or because she's female or because you know. It is just yeah. because what she did is great. And yeah. um, so yeah, there's Arc Daily that that I, I, I mean, I am subscribed to it and I read it okay. in the morning when I wake up. Um, is it? Oh. Get inspired oh. the day. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Um, Spelled A R C daily. A R C H daily. A R C H. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for architecture. So, you, yeah. <laughs> honest about your business. That, so you run your own business right now, yes. which is called what? Um, it's called Hive Design Studios. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes. Um, and there's a there's a reason for for why it's called Hive. I realize wow. that every every time I go into like the CIPC website and you type in Hive, there's like twenty or twenty five. My brother called me the other day and he's like, "Do you realize that there's a new business called Hive just opened up in Rose Bank?" Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! So so, so I'm, I'm very well aware that there's like so many hives out there. Um, mm. So my previous business was called Orenda. Yeah. Um, okay. And then the reason I transitioned in, into Hive is because it was it, it was easier for me to to explain the the different directions that I want the company to take. Oh, um, like yeah. So beehive. to have yeah, like a beehive kind of kind of thing. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> and I mean well, the bio the biophilia aspect of it doesn't I mean it also quite helps a lot. I mean the fact that beehives know how to regulate I mean bees know how to regulate the temperature 
and um, scent of their beehives. So it was easy for me to sell the sustainability aspect of it. Um, Living in little pods, having a queen bee. I mean, like... (laughs) Wow, that is so cool. (laughs) That is cool. That is so cool. That is great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So well, how do I'm, people hire you, work with you, and con- like basically how do people contact you and work with you, Lelo? Because I'm sure there are people like me now that realize I need your services. You know? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have, there's a website. Uh, it's okay. www.hivestudios.co.za. Okay. Um, and then there, there's all my contact details, um, okay. and there's a contact sheet. Um, okay. So I usually don't go with like calls and stuff because I ignore a lot of people's phone calls. <laughs> and emails? You go so, with emails? Yes. So on the email, there is lelo at hivestudios.co.za, okay. and then um, there's also info at hivestudios.co.za where, but. That is like where they can just get basic information on on articles or anything like that. But if they want to get hold of me directly, then Lelo at Hive Studios to see it as it is. Is it Hive One or just Hives and then Studio? Uh, no, singular Hive Studios. Hive. Studios is uh, Hive plural. Studio. Yeah. Okay. And guys, okay. as usual, that information will be out on the mailing list. I will send it out to the mailing list. So keep a look out for Lelo's contact details and do check Yay. out the website. <laughs> yeah, man, she does cool things. I mean, I, I yeah, she's changed her house <laughs> now into, but then she does a lot of commercial work. That's where she, yeah. that's where her niche is. So mm. that is. So for people who have got multi-lets and who are repurposing mm. buildings, that's 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 the space you want to play in. And yeah. Yeah. that's what you specialize in, and it's much easier for her to do that. So you know, this has been such a blessing. Yeah, this is my daughter, guys. So this is a moment to showcase her. So thank you so much for making the time. And it's funny thank how you. we spent so much time together, but we've never spent so much time on your business. Mm-hmm. And thank you for being mm-hmm. such an educator. No, thank you. Thank for you, Lila. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you, Property Magicians. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening, Property Magicians. My name is Vangile Makwakwa and I am your host on the show. I help people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, become financially free and live their best lives. So if you would love to increase your income or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings, contact me. You can contact me on the Wealthy Money website at wealthy-money.com. Again, wealthy-money.com. Or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group or on the Wealthy Money page, or find me on Twitter and Instagram as Vangile Makwakwa. Now over to my co-host. Thank you for listening. I am Dr. Miranda Prop Doc, Doc Mum on all the social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm the host of Property Magicians Podcast and I'm a property mentor. I mentor newbie property investors, 
to help them to begin and to take action. Your journey into property investment begins with me from property registration, from property company registration to picking the correct strategy that suits where you are at. Find me on my inbox at miranda at wealthy-money.com. Again, inbox me at miranda at wealthymoney.com if you want me to help you start your property journey.